0: RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. So back in September, Malcolm Dreenan from the Daily Telegraph NZ was on with Rodney talking about why uh, the Daily Telegraph NZ was established. And you can search that out on the replays at uh, Reality Check Radio if you missed that and you want to hear it. Well, Malcolm joins us again this time to talk about the public's declining trust in mainstream media. I think many of us have been aware of that, and we've kind of seen some statistics thrown around. And then there's a piece in the BFD, an opinion piece by Mark Freeman, the public's declining trust in mainstream media, posted on the 18th of October. Let's pull apart some of that. Um, The report that uh, I guess the most recent report we can refer to is the Reuters Institute Digital Media Report. Uh, the global average is a fifty percent distrust in the media, or fifty percent trusting. But it's more in New Zealand. Trust is only at forty-one percent. How come you think we're different? How how come you think we're sort of less trusting? Any idea?
1: Well, I think uh, especially if you look at the COVID the COVID era um, in in some of the other countries around the world where they had similar approaches to COVID with the mandates and the lockdowns. Um, the mainstream media in those countries are actually publishing uh, opinions and, and articles which are going against the, ne- the narrative that they had in place for so long. But in New Zealand, the mainstream media are continuing to refuse to acknowledge any harm or um bad outcomes from the vaccine and government policies and they, they seem to be doubling down and totally ignoring the situation but um, with uh, other countries especially Australia Germany and the USA um, the main the mainstream media are actually slowly but surely um, offering up opinions and articles which are you know by people who uh, are going against the narrative so I think they're trying to regain some of their trust overseas, but in New Zealand, the media seem to be doubling down.
0: Okay, if um, if that figure is accurate in New Zealand, then your publication would be seeing a rise in what subscribers or, or people um accessing your content. Have you seen that?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely up and down. I mean, there is uh, um. It's just, but overall, it's a steady rise, for sure. Um, there are there are peak periods where there are articles which um, uh, draw a big audience um, and uh, create a spike in visitors. But um, generally, yeah, overall, I mean, the Daily Telegraph started with a with a big bang in terms of um, the number of people who are visiting the website and. And since, uh, I would say, early 2022, uh, the the breaks have gone on from big tech and government, etc., cetera, oh, okay. to try, try to strangle it. But, um, yeah. yeah, there's definitely uh, a growing audience week to week and month to month,
0: for sure. So do you think you can categorically with confidence say that you've just, speaking to that point you just made, that um, – the government or big tech in cohorts with the government has been throttling you. Yes,
1: without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah, hmm. um, and it's when I say big tech, it's uh, certainly Google, Facebook, Twitter to a lesser extent, um, but certainly yeah, the big uh, search engines um, were banned from you know enrolling for any sort of monetisation um of the website not allowed to use Google ads um, you won't you would hardly find Daily Telegraph on a, on a um, Google search result um, even if you type in the exact phrase or the exact title of a of an article which we would be the only website in New Zealand publishing you you still wouldn't find it instead you'd get uh, results which were, from mainstream media sites, which were not relevant, so yeah, for sure, it's been throttled by big tech, and I think that it's the government um, uh, having a hand in that with big tech to try not 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 just Daily Telegraph, but all independent media. Um, we we certainly are punished severely by big tech, whereas the mainstream media um, are promoted. Um constantly by big tech yeah i mean for, for example i bought a new uh, a new samsung phone the other day and the first time i turned it on uh turned on youtube i just get new zealand herald stuff videos
0: so like preloaded preferences uh, pre-loaded. preloaded
1: yeah and all the recommendations for news are a star for nz herald there's no independent media that they're promoting
0: yeah, because the, the the manufacturer of the phone, what interest is it of theirs to do that?
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I was quite surprised with that um, when I when I saw what the phone the first time I turned it on. I, I was not expecting that, but it's already preloaded, wow. and that kind of shows you that you know they get a um, you know preferential treatment that uh, independent media could only dream of.
0: But who gives them that preferential treatment? Have you had any word, has there been anything said to you back channel that the government's been messing with your business? Um,
1: I, I haven't heard uh, directly from anybody about that, but I've, I've seen a report uh, that was uh, floating around about a year ago where they had uh, listed a number of websites, um, Daily Telegraph and Daily Examiner, um, I think Counterspin and and other independent independent ones where they were where they were targeting. Um, right. Okay. Independent media for sure.
0: Um, I see that uh, the head of Radio New Zealand, Paul Thompson, um, recently expressed concern about the general public's declining trust in mainstream media, and some of the reasons he gives, and I'm sure you're aware of some some of them. News fatigue. Do you buy that?
1: Yeah, I do. I, that's. I think that's um, one of the few things that I agree with him on. I think um, there is an element of news fatigue because if you look at the last three years, we've had so many major crises, um, which you know you could argue that uh, that they are natural type uh, events or manufactured, but it's, it's constantly engendering fear in the public and and um uh i think people just have a feeling that they just want their normality back their lives back before COVID, where you just lived your life normally and um, not with any fear or or bullying or or um gaslighting and cancelling um but every day we seem to have story after story, both in New Zealand and overseas, where it's a big crisis, it's hysteria. Um, and I think there's, there is a, a longing for a lot of people just to have normality back. So I think there's a bit of news fatigue,
0: for sure. Yeah, mind you, he's a professional, has long been in the business. Yeah. Um, they could have chosen not to be so over the top.
1: Yeah, that's definitely right. Yeah. Um, there is news fatigue, but the, the, the origins of that are are where we have to question: um, Why is the media and uh, constantly hitting us with climate change and COVID and vaccinations and um, social division? Um, why are they? You know, it seems like it's it's a it's a um, unnatural thing that they're trying to do to create this constant state of hysteria and fear in the public. Um, and there is that, and the fatigue comes in because I think a lot of New Zealanders are just longing for those days where, uh, none of this was happening on a daily basis or weekly basis.
0: The $55 million public interest journalism fund. Now I've heard no end of criticism regarding that for a long period of time, though he didn't mention that as one of the reasons why trust in mainstream media has dropped he didn't mention it, yeah. And I know I get why he probably didn't, because he knows he knows what that means. But that surely must have a huge effect in New Zealand, particularly.
1: Absolutely, um, it creates a perception among the public that the media is bought, and um, I always I always wonder why these big media companies need taxpayer money and government handouts because they are they are very large entities making hundreds of millions of dollars every year in revenue Um, and the total industry take would be you know in in excess of a a billion dollars new zealand every year in terms of revenue Um, why do they need that money for a start and why does the government have to give them that money when a lot of these uh, media companies have very have shareholders who are based overseas with very deep pockets. Um, so it does create a perception in the public that the government um, is providing socialism for the rich. Um, that there is a tendency that there could be a tendency that it affects the editorial content and influences uh, editors and publishing and what they're publishing. So yeah, I, I think that was a big um, a big uh, omission because that has created a lot of controversy uh, in New Zealand, um, and totally agree with you on that point.
0: Well, I guess um, since since he made those comments or didn't mention that, um, we know that uh, MediaWorks has basically been trading while insolvent. Yeah. So that's not too good. We know that uh, whoever took over TV3 is a Discovery or Disney or Warner Brothers. One of the, those. They've been running at uh, multi tens of millions loss every year, and um, on the back of of or the timing of us having a chat, the project's been cancelled. So that's twenty eight people out of work. So they're not doing too well. The Herald have had their lowest profit in memory, only two million and are um, uh, getting ready to heave a lot of staff. Uh, a lot of these media entities are paying the government a huge amount of money for transmission facilities. So you're talking about the deep pockets, but actually it's a pretty sick environment by the looks of things?
1: Yeah, it is. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think when we look at the numbers and the decline in trust, there's a, there must be obviously a... Um, a counterpart uh, decline in in uh, eyeballs and ears listening, and therefore advertising revenue. Um, so yeah, it's 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 difficult. I mean, but I mean, we live in a capitalist society. We're supposed to be survival of the fittest. Um, we must, as a, as as a society, we must have incentives for uh, small operators to dream big, and and if um, The big operators can't keep their house in order and operate properly then proper capitalism which i subscribe to should mean that uh you know the big guys fall and the little guys can take over their place
0: yeah if the environment is conducive for the little guy and you wonder if it is it feels that well you know it's a hell of a battle
1: correct and
0: yeah yeah okay so let's go through um, some points of what you believe the ethical standards morality of those in senior management. I'm thinking, thinking of editors, you just mentioned the, the deep pocket shareholders and I guess the journalistic staff in these enterprises or entities um, seems to be from what I can see a problem there. Yes.
1: Well, these, um, these entities and even the, the mainstream media as a group, they have codes of ethics internally in their own organisations and the Media Council has principles of journalism. And what I can see that's happened in the last few years is that these principles and codes of ethics have been ignored. And um, there's a there's a good example recently where I think it was Thomas Cranmer on Twitter Um, revealed that uh, the government had paid two media organisations a couple of hundred thousand dollars each for publishing and disseminating widely uh, climate change articles, which were pushing the government narrative. Now, one of these media organisations, their own code of ethics, says that they are free from political influence and and must remain free from political influence and and i can't think of a a, a a better example of political influence than that particular case and um you have to think because i know I, I just like if i think about myself in that position of if i was the boss of that organization and the government had approached me to do that and knowing my own code of ethics I would say, no, like, we can't do that, sorry, no way, because we have a code of ethics. But unfortunately, these media organisations took the money in breach of their own code of ethics. And um, and it was revealed later to the public through Twitter and Thomas Cranmer um, exactly what had happened. And this is what I'm saying, that, that it's, it's these lack of ethical decisions, taking money from the government through either PGIF or these one-off deals, that create, um, uh, you know, that that create this distrust among the public. Um, and I think if uh, there was a you know a strict adherence to their own code of ethics and principles um, that are publicly available, um, they're there to instil confidence in the public. In the media so it stands to reason that if they don't follow them the the confidence will decrease
0: yeah well it's it's possibly worse than that because um the media council have sided with some of these dodgy practices i'm thinking of fire and fury as an example which has been nominated for best documentary talk about doubling down Mm. um but um in the complaints taken regarding that show um, all they really said is they they blew off the complaints. They said, "Well, you know, the the people who are complaining have the opportunity to voice their side of things, and that will balance out the story." But that's not how it works. You, um, that's that, that's like a complete reinvention of yeah. the whole concept of a of a balanced journalistic piece. It, it, you don't hope that there's some other bit of balance lurking out there somewhere. You've got to kind of wire it in if you are. You know, if you're saying you're doing a particular thing, you've, you've got to be seen to be doing it. So it goes all the way to even those who would enforce those codes. Yeah. So it's we've we're we're kind of in a in a lost land, aren't we? Land of the lost.
1: Yeah, and I, I was um, I was surprised by that decision uh, and the reasoning. It didn't the reasoning behind it didn't make any logical sense. Um, they basically created a fiction of um fairness and
0: balance that doesn't exist in reality it didn't exist in reality in that particular case well it wouldn't Um, work the other way I'm, i'm i'm picking it wouldn't have flown the other way no definitely not no no and um i think that
1: probably calls into question the true independence of the media council um as we saw from that decision yeah i was flabbergasted by that
0: yeah yeah. What, what about um, journalists themselves? I've worked with lots of journalists over the years, 40-plus years. So I've seen the old school right through to the sort of the newbie types. And I've got to say, personally, I've noticed quite a change in the culture um, of of journalism as a craft or trade, whatever you want to call it. It used to be more of a trade, though it is a craft. Uh, something's Something's gone haywire along the way that has taken us away from those and, and they were they were doggedly adhered to you get thrown out of a newsroom if you even try to argue against you know uh, multiple sources fair and balanced leave your own um, biases at home mate just report the story that has gone yeah well how
1: oh I just I I, I think it there, there might there might be commercial demands um, we we have a uh, privatized uh, or privately owned um, media landscape generally, and these are, as I mentioned before, the shareholders have deep pockets, and they want to make them deeper. Um, so I think there's a commercial need for well a, a need for commercial success and and um, sensationalism. Um, and it's always a good story to when they demonise somebody. It's almost like gossip. Uh, the old gossip yeah. pages now, and, and that. So, they're,
0: so those oh, hit pieces are like gossip, really, aren't they? Correct. They're totally um, counterproductive, but they're just
1: just gossip. Uh, in the old days, you 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 would classify classified as that, but uh, now it passes for journalism. Um, and uh, I think they're under this impression that uh well, if we do a hit piece or we attack somebody, it's going to shut them up um it's going to draw a big audience for that particular article because you're going to get both the people who support that the 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 victim of the hit piece and the people who um are against it all coming to read that article it draw they they will draw a big audience but I think Again, it's, it, the, those kind of practices are counterproductive because um, as time goes by, and, and the, in the particular case of COVID where a lot of the people who spoke out in the beginning uh, have been proven right, um, it's come back to bite. It just comes back to Yeah, but they're still
0: calling people conspiracy theorists and uh, vaccine deniers, and I'm still seeing those terms kind of still every day in the yeah. media
1: yeah that's that's the doubling down that i was mentioning before um yeah. they're just going hard and not not relenting and not admitting any fault and that's i think contributing to one contributing factor to the 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 you know the surprise well the the big figures that we're seeing in these um research uh papers about the the, the numbers of people trusting them decreasing
0: they must know that there's if things carry on this way, there's no coming back for them.
1: Yeah, I I think for some it's a terminal. I think uh, some of those brands that we see today uh, in the landscape, I think they can't come back. Some some of them will survive, but I think some are just so tainted and so going woke for broke and doubling down that um, I think it's inevitable that some of those big uh, players in the ma- in the media market, well, they'll, they'll have. I mean, as a minimum, they'll have to rebrand. Um,
0: because well, they'll they, have... have to rebrand, yeah, um, in in a very extensive way. So they kind of bury the previous brand, so no one even knows that they <laughs> there's any connection. Correct. Yeah. Whoa.
1: That's what I think. I, some will survive, but I I I've, I do feel that there are one or two that won't. And they'll they'll have to have a massive cleanup,
0: a total rebrand, and a total change of attitude. Um, okay. Um that's on the the commercial media side. On the government media side, let's look at Radio New Zealand, RNZ. I think since I left, and I don't claim to have any um part in this, but since I left, which was twenty nineteen, They've lost over 100,000 listeners. Yeah. Now, that's a significant chunk of audience. And if that decline carries at the rate that it is, they will literally be a minute player eventually um, with just, you know, a handful of listeners. Yet, I think um, with the latest increase that the government has given them, they're close to $50 million budget. So how can you justify spending that money for such a small number of people? It's like Concert FM. They get a yeah. lot of money spent on them. Do you think, what is your opinion? Do you think New Zealand needs that network anymore? Do you think they've done their time, that they're so like an artifact of history, that as time has come, if they were to disappear, would anyone really notice? What do you think about that?
1: In terms of RNZ? Z?
0: Yeah, number oh. one with RNZ, I don't want to talk about TVNZ next because it's the other big one, yeah. and maybe the uh, Maori um, TV and th- their supplemented media. Yeah. Um, given that we know now with some of the players in the digital space, there's you, what you do, there's us, there's the platform, there are others, we know the cost of entry to that is quite doable if you get your ducks lined up. <laughs> so it's not as if you know there's a there's a, a great wall stopping anyone from setting up. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and of course, uh, those entities are kind of even too big for that space. But I'm I'm just yeah. wondering if if people start to need thinking now, uh, start to th- need to think now, that of a world without these entities anymore. Well,
1: I think uh, I think there is a place for government, um, a me- you know, media which disseminates government
0: information. But uh, that- uh, what would, would that? What would that be? Latest policies and um, correct, yes, and and um, uh, select committees and and that sort of stuff. That's right. Yes. Okay. Um, not Jesse Mulligan in the afternoon. No. No. Or the panel with Wallace. No, not not.
1: I mean, they can have that, but that it should stand and fall on on market principles. If the market. Um, if the market uh, is attracted to it, then good luck. Uh, if it's not, then I don't think taxpayer money should be funding that kind of content. Um, yeah, especially to that kind of, you know, that that amount of money is 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 uh, huge. Um,
0: yeah. It could be yeah. spent, um, you know, that's a lot of cystic fibrosis drugs to stop yep. uh, lung transplants, let's put it that way.
1: That's correct, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah there is a place for government the dissemination of government information but that it should stop there
0: um well it doesn't need to be a radio network necessarily does it
1: no they could have a, you know a website um, and, and it, to some extent they do it, it, you know they have the, the 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 beehive.govt.nz which is um basically uh, press releases from government cabinet and prime minister's office um, and um yeah. So, yeah, so
0: that's already basically there. So correct. So th- they could slip beneath the waves and probably wouldn't make much of a difference to most New Zealanders.
1: Yeah, I mean with the with the with the dwindling audiences and and the the, the competition that's um been created and has been has been created through the pandemic, we've, that's one of the positive things I think to come out of the pandemic was the. Was the establishment and proliferation of independent media, um, and uh, yeah, if they can't handle the market, the market demands and what the market wants, um, I don't see how the government uh, can justify funding funding them.
0: That would go then for TVNZ. They've made a fifteen million dollar loss. They're talking about laying off people, advertising yeah. revenues down because old style tv is just isn't perceived as having the value it used to have and i used to make tv ads so i know about that world um uh, also uh, obviously um you know they're kind of tainted with this mainstream media issue as well do we really need to look to the government to bring us celebrity treasure island really no no and and, and again
1: that, that, that's been an argument um or or a you know, there's been arguments about that. You know, the role of TVNZ um, as a public service broadcaster. On the one hand, it has this conflict with um, um, between providing content which is of what they call public interest, but on the other hand, having to make a profit. Um, and then you you end up with the situation where you get uh, the old reality TV mixed in with um, proper or more serious content. Uh, well, there content.
0: are there aren't. I, I don't think there is any serious content, is there? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, yeah. That, 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 yeah. That's
0: you, you're probably right on that. Um, I mean, I yeah. I, to be honest, I haven't watched TVNZ for years. No, yeah, I'm the same, but I do try and stay across sort of what they're offering.
1: Yeah. I know my parents uh, in that generation, um, they, they still kind of watch the old TVNZ news at six o'clock, but um, I can't think of anyone in my circle of friends and acquaintances who, you know, religiously would sit down at six to catch the news. They've, they've already got it via internet or social media.
0: Yeah, and they don't necessarily trust it anyway. Correct, yeah. In fact, it's like a parody of news. Well, wow, it,
1: it is. It, it, it's quite. It's kind of outdated to have you know a concept of like a newsreader in front of a camera, telling you what you should believe. It's 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 almost becoming absurd an absurd notion. And I think in the future, people will look back and think, why did everyone sit down at six o'clock, Monday to Friday, to watch some guy in a suit tell them what the reality and what the world was about?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's sort of quaint. Quaint, yeah. I mean, it did work back in the day because technology was a lot more limited and people's um, shared experience, and it's important for people to have shared experiences, um, was in a way achieved through that. But that, we're talking decades ago now. Yeah. Back in the Philip Sherry and Dougal Stevenson Stevenson. days. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. All right, so your operation how's that going yeah it's good um,
1: it's uh, I'm I'm really um, thankful because there's a there's a really good core group of um, readers and audience who who, who um, uh, spread the word um, despite the difficulties faced with uh, big tech and interference etc and um, I get a lot of uh, pleasure out of um, the messages that I've I receive and and people sending emails and things like that. Um, it's uh, growing steadily, as I said. It, it started off with a huge bang, but uh, when I mentioned to Rodney in my last um, interview, you know, uh, probably about four months after it started, the break started to really
0: go on in terms of trying to strangle it. Because people uh, realised oh, all oh, people are watching or, or reading or reading yeah. we can't have that, right? No. Right. Hmm. Yeah.
1: And at that stage, um Daily Telegraph was one of the very few uh platforms that was publishing Dr. Hatchard's work. And his his you know, he, a lot of his stuff, both now but especially back then, was groundbreaking.
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah, you're right. In fact, that's where I became aware yeah. of. I became aware of your publication during the that early part of 2022. Correct. And then, and that's how I knew about Guy Hatchard, who I now know personally. Yes. So, thank you for that. <laughs> no problem.
1: And uh, yeah, it, 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 that was an amazing uh, response at that time. Um, it, it's come back quite a lot since then um because of the uh well various issues but mainly the the big uh, the big tech uh, situation that I mentioned. Um but month on month it's steadily rising and I I'm very I'm heartened by that because I because I know I'm really it's really at like five percent of its potential. It is it's not even anywhere near the potential that it's capable of getting. Yeah. Um so that gives me a lot of um uh, you know, a lot of confidence or a lot of um, positive thoughts about the future. And then I see a lot of other uh, independent media as well doing a fantastic job, um, which is, yeah, just awesome. It's awesome to see, you know, RCR, uh, the, plat- the platform, you know, to some extent sometimes and other media
0: outlets and uh, websites. and Well, even- the, plav- the platform, I work there too, and I'm not uh, telling yeah. tales, but they don't quite know who they are. Yeah. Okay. They, Maybe they'll figure that out, but at the moment, yeah. um, you, you can't be a little bit pregnant, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then and then on top of that, we have it, the rise of Twitter
1: and um, citizen journalism on Twitter. Um, and there's a number of accounts out there. I've mentioned Thomas Cranmer their the Twitter account um, but there's others there that are publishing information there's for example well,
0: well, well it's interesting sorry to jump in that Thomas Cramner has now joined the ZB team yeah that tells yeah. you that they realize doesn't it Yeah, I thought
1: I thought that was uh, a quite incredible development from from many from many angles um, um but uh, yeah the quality it, I think it, it's just the quality of of what he was releasing and the importance of what he was releasing, um, the mainstream media or the you know the media uh, were probably highly attracted to that because yeah. So there's the of-
0: potential to go off narrative with him. That would have been seen as too much of a risk. I think there's been a change. So sorry, what was it? Um, publishing him earlier or engaging him earlier there would have been a sense in the organization, I've, I'm thinking, that there there was a risk to going against the expected narrative with potentially some of his content. Um, but uh, uh, that's not the case now. So something kind of has flipped in the meantime. I think that's a sign. Yeah, and um, he's, still,
1: he's still continuing to release uh, important stuff on Twitter uh, in his personal capacity. Yeah. Um there's also a gentleman, Simon Anderson, um, who's – he's done some great work because he gets out his camera and he goes to, uh, you know, public events and protests and things like that. So um, – and, you know, in America, some of these independent journalists and, and media uh, outlets actually get massive ratings compared to the
0: likes of CNN – um, yeah, they they dwarf the mainstream dwarf. networks. Yeah. But that's why you're seeing laws coming in now that anyone with over 10 million subscribers or uh, revenue over a certain level is going to be sort of reined in. So they those newer entities that are doing well are coming on, you know, radars now as well. Yes, big radars. Um, yeah. 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 You can see that, I think, uh, yeah. why. Hmm.
1: Yeah, and it'll continue. I mean... I think twitter uh is 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 a platform where people with um important information can reach bigger audiences and dwarf the audiences that the mainstream media uh or the readership that they may they may have for their publications so I think yeah it's a very interesting time going ahead the The mainstream media is under attack from a from a lot of different angles and um they they're, they're vulnerable uh in in many ways um i think as i mentioned before some of them may not survive they'll have to change completely but
0: it's a very interesting space you might have the pick of the crop of of journalists looking for jobs <laughs> <laughs> well would you want them i don't know well yeah you know and yeah. i mean yeah so so you're in it for the long haul
1: yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's something that I enjoy. Um, I, I enjoy doing. Um, I um, like to give different perspectives on various issues that the main that the mainstream media are just providing that one narrative. Um, and it's you know it's funny how all the main, we've got about you know maybe half a dozen to a dozen mainstream media outlets in New Zealand, and they're all parroting the same narrative on on these big social issues um, that that are fate that that we're all facing today yeah. um, so I enjoy uh, as I'm sure many other people who would enjoy as well just providing a different perspective content with that has a different perspective
0: well I think you're right about the potential for growth and um, when when you sense that it's just the beginning and uh, um, you, you see a I guess a um, a marketplace which is is quite expansive the way it's turning out that it's there for 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 the you know the picking off let's say I think I feel the same way about what we're doing at RCR. Okay, you start out you know best way you can, but actually it's a at the moment it's not a a um um a hotly contested space yet. So that gives it time to grow, right? You'd, You'd think that about what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's. Um,
1: you know. I mean. The reality is. We, I'm. The Daily Telegraph is like a. A pinprick on on the on the on the body of the mainstream media. It's it's tiny. Absolutely tiny. But
0: yeah. At I the moment. It,
1: at the moment. Yeah. And and um, but the potential is there. And I I I know deep down in my heart that i you know it's literally five percent of the potential that i believe it can reach
0: yeah i think we we feel the same way kind of as you all right fascinating chat is there anything else you any other point you'd like to make anything i've missed in me sort of droning on a bit too i'm not saying that you were (laughs) um, um anything else you'd like to say
1: well, oh, the only thing I is is that you know there are some things that there are still some things that the main well the mainstream media is is absolutely critical to the proper functioning of democracy right yeah social cohesion and I I I have um the problem is is that they're not properly functioning because of these issues that they have. And I think it, it, at the basic level, it's the failure to report balanced and fairly. That is the crux of the problem that the mainstream media have. And what what um, flabbergasts me is that the people who are in charge of the mainstream media, they know their duty. They know of this duty to provide balanced. Well, how them. can they sleep at night then? Exactly. They, they know it. So why don't they do it? it it's like... Yeah, it's just like how I can't understand because well, I if,
0: if usually, I it, usually it's fear, isn't it, of something?
1: Correct. It's it's like uh, you know fear and wanting to keep their jobs uh, and status, yes. the status that that job, those high, though, you know those highly responsible jobs. Um, that's so I,
0: facile, though. That's so facile, uh, especially
1: when you compare it to how many tens of thousands of brave New Zealanders um, in the pandemic chose medical freedom over their job? Yeah. Or well, were forced out of their job because of medical freedom? Well, it's well,
0: a no-brainer to many of us. I'm not um, downplaying what uh, the decision that others feel they had to make at the time because everyone has individual circumstances. But to a free-thinking person, it was a no-brainer, no matter what the cost. Yeah. And
1: yeah, it, and like I said, it goes back to ethics, um, ethics and a backbone, basically. If you have, if you have ethics and a backbone, you know right from wrong. And if you don't know right from wrong, then your business is going to suffer. Our media, particularly the New Zealand mainstream media, is really doubling down, which is different than what's happening in other. Uh, democracies that that had exactly the same COVID uh, policies in place, um, but we never know. Maybe next week or next month, or in a few months, it might be a front page story where things change. Um, we I, I live in hope, but I, I I don't know whether that will ever happen or not.
0: Yeah, neither do I really. Yeah. All right. Wow, what a what a great chat. Um anything more or do you think we're done now, Malcolm? Oh, no,
1: it's it's fine. I I, you know, I really appreciate the time, Paul.
0: And um yeah. Yeah. You know, well, we appreciate what you do, okay? Because uh, I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy. Yeah. And um there's a lot of uncertainty that goes with it and uh, sometimes you're wondering, you know, if it's if if you're the only person out there, but I know it's not easy. So, good effort and all the best to you. Awesome. Thank you, mate. You too. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.